You're listening to the Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. so excited to chat with Leslie, the owner of Giddy Papery today. Leslie is an amazing artist who puts her creations on items like mugs, tea towels, pillows, all of those to fulfill the Giddy Papery mission of making art part of the everyday. All right, so I'm here with Leslie from Giddy Papery. Um, Leslie, let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, thank you, Patricia. I'm so excited to be here and thank you for having me. I am a third generation native Floridian. And with that comes a lot of really fun stuff. Of course, I love the beach. I used to collect every shell that existed. I loved going, I loved going to every beach, both East Coast, West Coast. And mm-hmm. it's kind of just how I've grown up. And I love the Florida landscape. So that's just my nature at my core is Florida. I love so. that. Yeah, you're definitely a Florida girl. Definitely a part of it. I've lived other places. I've lived like in Alabama and when I went to school and I went, I've lived in DC. I've lived in the Midwest. I've lived in Europe. I've lived in Atlanta. So I've lived a lot of places. We also go out to um, Montana. So I, I love traveling. I love going different places, but I'm definitely a Florida girl. That's so fun. Um, All right. So tell me a little bit about growing up. I mean, obviously you're very creative. So when did that creativity start? When did you first learn to paint and get creative like that? I was thinking about that. And I think probably upon the first box of crayons that were ever given to me, I just scribbled away. And I can literally remember being in preschool and like, you know how they would have the easels and there'd be little cups of like paint, tempera mm-hmm. paint. And that was my favorite thing. Like I had mm-hmm. my own smock with my name on it. I loved that was just my all time favorite thing. So I don't remember a time that I didn't do it. And my mom was great because she would put me in after school art classes. Like at Rollins College, they had great after school programs. So I did that all growing up. And then even in junior high and high school, I always took art. And um, I think my mom thought for sure that that is what I would be growing up. So that's not exactly how the path went, though. (laughs) I love that your mom recognized that and enrolled you in those art classes so young and kind of fed into that for you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like she also I was in the choir at church and. I was a brownie and I did all those kinds of things. And so they all overlapped in the level of creativity. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just loved anything we could make or paint or direct, or I just loved it all. That's great. So how did you learn then, I guess, to paint? Was it from those classes at Rollins or um, where did the formal technique, I guess, did you have any of that or was it kind of just a trial and error and you learned yourself? I did. I feel like I had really great, great art teachers along the way that um, whether it was even in elementary school, the after school programs or 
the programs at school, I can remember mm-hmm. my art teachers because they were that good. Mrs. Smolik in junior high and Mrs. Smith in high school. I'm convinced um, if I had started taking art seriously, like in my high school years, other than just my senior year, I definitely would have gone into art because they were so good at bringing out the best in each person of what mm-hmm. was really good, whether drawing or painting or you know, pottery, whatever it was, they were really good about bringing that out. So I felt like I had a good footing to know what I could do. And then I applied that. I worked on the yearbook. I'm sorry. I worked on the newspaper staff and I was the historian for a couple of different um, organizations growing up and I would use my art in that. So I've always used it somewhere and I felt like I had good training. So it never intimidated me. That's amazing. That's, you know, that you were able to recognize that so young and then had so many people around you, whether it's, you know, your parents or teachers, um, nurture that for you. It it is. I had my best friend just this week. She was cleaning out and she and I truly were best friends and we were cheerleaders together all through junior high and high school. And Mm -hmm. she pulled out this jacket that had this illustration of it, of a girl in a cheerleader outfit. She's like, Leslie, this is pre-giddy. And I'm like, it really <laughs> is. I, for- I forgot I've been doing that for a lifetime. <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. Um, okay, so what did you end up studying then when you went to college? And where did you go? I think Alabama, right? Oh, no. No, no. No, no. Where are Regal, that is yes. Okay, <laughs> I know, I know. When you said, I as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> it's in Alabama, but it is a yes, whole yes. different world. <laughs> yes, Auburn, I remember yes, now. Auburn, yes. Um, so this is where the route kind of took a different path. You know, my mom was always like, oh Leslie, I think you should be like an artist or interior design. And my dad was a great, great businessman. And I just love talking business with him. Um, Everyone on both sides of my family were very entrepreneurial. And I just loved talking shop with them. And my dad was my favorite person to talk to about business. So I said, no, there were not a lot of women in business school back in the day. And I'm like, I'm doing that. And Maybe I should do like uh, an advertising degree, which would infuse business with art and creativity. And I interned at ad agencies and decided that was not where I wanted to go. And during that time at Auburn, they completely changed out the advertising program and the marketing program. Because I thought, okay, great. I'll do marketing. That has a creative element. Well, then they changed it all to quantitative analysis and research and I'm like no not doing that for sure (laughs) so I remember right before my senior year going to my advisor I'm like look I gotta get out of here by June Mm -hmm. and what can I what can I do and she goes well do you like math and I'm like well I'm good at math but I don't like it Mm -hmm. but she said well you could get a finance degree and I was like okay let's do it so literally I signed up on this path to get a finance degree, which it doesn't even add up. Yeah, that's so me. funny. It's the worst fit for me in the world, other than the fact that I can talk business and shop and numbers 
uh-huh. pretty intelligently, either with my husband, he might debate that, but like I get, <laughs> num- like I get numbers. Yeah. I just don't like numbers. So I have a finance degree. And that's so um, funny. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I don't, I don't wear it as a badge of honor, just more as like a, a stupid thing I probably did in my past. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And so my husband, to... well, oh. I was going to say this too. Frank and I, I met, we met in college and we hmm. both have finance degrees. We sat side by side in class together and walked out with the same grades. You know, he, yeah. he thinks his were much higher, but I'm like, <laughs> they were the same, but yeah. he is so much better suited for it. So that's great. That's so funny. When, you know what? It happened for a reason. That's how you met your husband, right? Oh, no. We met at a party. After oh, my okay. Year. Not in class. <laughs> <laughs> no. Summer school was really good that year, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so you had your finance degree. Then what were some of your first jobs? I mean, did you go into finance right away, or what What did you do no. then? no. <laughs> I didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> I, um, I I worked for my dad, who was in he had a, an insurance company in Orlando. And so the summer after I graduated, I did a bunch of research for him for large clients that he was working on for insurance. And I'm like, I have got to stop doing this. Now I loved being with my dad and rest mm-hmm. his whole soul. He's no longer here, so I wouldn't trade any of that. But Frank was starting his MBA at Emory I'm like I'm going to Emory I'm going to Atlanta and I'm going to go work there Mm -hmm. and I interviewed with like banks and insurance companies and I would go into it going I love marketing I can plan all kinds of stuff they would look at me and they're like but you have a finance degree I'm like yeah yeah let me do something creative and it just never came together so I eventually had to get a job and I was hired by this, um, uh, like a, it's a copy company and like they okay. sold copy machines, like office products. And, um, that was my first job in Atlanta and I slept around office products all in North Gwinnett County and I sold and sold and sold all kinds of stuff. Like I broke all kinds of records. It was very exciting because it was sales and I love sales. And so I learned so much, but honestly, I was the only woman that worked in there. I was in a field with 20 guys in the office and I beat every one of them. So that was, Oh my gosh, congrats. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. That's so funny. I mean, that makes sense. I could see you in sales because you're such, you know, a person that loves to to get to know people and you're so easy to talk with. I could see you being great at that. Well, thank you. And my dad had been in sales. So that was a great connecting point for us. You know, we would talk about, Hey, how's your deal, dad? How's it going? And he would say, it's great. How's yours going? You know? So we just had a lot of fun with that. So, uh-huh. But it That's didn't awesome. last long because my okay. husband and I, we got engaged and we went and lived in Europe for a year on this exchange program that my husband was in. So that was the a dream. Whole, it was the dream. It, <laughs> it truly was the dream. So, yeah. I That's awesome. Europe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where did Giddy Papery come from then? When did you start that? And sort of what was the inspiration that made you say, you know what? I need to do this. I need to do something for myself here. Oh, gosh. Um, that is a 
that is an ending spot for from a long line of other things that I've done. Like okay. I, um, I knew that I always wanted to have a business with my daughter, Lauren. Mm -hmm. And over the years when she was growing up and I would, you know, produce calendars or invitations. I've been doing that probably for 20 years prior to Giddy. And mm -hmm. um, so roll it to seven years ago. Uh, we'll be, we're seven years old now. And um, when we launched it, Lauren was looking for something creative to do. I had to have a lot of people to say, hey, Leslie, when are you going to do your calendars again? And I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this. And I remember it was an Easter, uh, I think 2013. And I looked at Lauren and I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like or how we're going to do it. But you and I are starting a business and we're going to start it with cards um, and calendars. And that's what we did. That's amazing. And I love that you started it with your daughter. I mean, I'm so close with my mom and she helps me a lot with my business as well. So I love that mother daughter aspect to it and that you guys did it together. Yes. It's been great. So I guess, you know, you mentioned that you've been, even before you started Giddy, you were designing calendars and invites um, for over 20 years. How did you then way back then decide, you know, your great at art and then to put it on something besides just, you know, making a canvas or something like that. And what was that process like of figuring out how to do that and, you know, find someone to get it printed and all of that? Well, fortunately, technology has really brought it like lightning speed up to what mm -hmm. it is now. Um, I would say 15, 20 years ago when I was doing this and making the calendars, they were doing this was born out of, not being able to find like a gift that I really liked for people at Christmas. And so I thought, Oh, I'm going to make my own calendar. And I didn't know how to produce it because back then it either, you either had to have like a huge volume of work and go mm -hmm. with the printer. And it was, you know, plates and colors and you had to have this huge volume to make it worthwhile to produce it. Or you could walk down to Kinko's and they could print it for you. Yes. And so that was kind of how it started. But Kinko's was limited. Like they, they were like, okay, you want us to do what? And <laughs> I, I really did a lot of my work. I did my calendars and a set of note cards for years with them and would cut them and fold them and package them. And then, um, I had some companies that or some organizations that wanted to sell my product as their fundraiser. So that was like my first foray into wholesale wholesaling, okay. but still the production part was really tricky. There was no like indigo printers. There were no, mm -hmm. it was very, and, and it didn't really always look great. And I'm really picky about it looking right, you know? Yep. Wow. That's amazing. So, so you kind of just you went out there and figured it out. I feel like that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do though. You know, they, they think of a great idea and they want to do something and they, they'll do whatever it takes and figure it out some way or another. Well, right. And I had, what I didn't say is when we lived in Missouri, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I had that stayed in there as well, but I lived there for a long time and those cold winters really taught me what to do with my time. <laughs> and I painted an awful lot and had, really expert, um, instruction on that. And I actually had a, um, I call it my serious paintings, like my, 
paintings that you would hang on a wall. And I had oh, a wow. studio and my side hustle on at that time was doing mm -hmm. invitations and stuff for people. So I kind of tracked on two different things, fine art and illustration art. So that's really how I started doing more of the illustration and putting it on product. I, I think that adds to the story on it all. Definitely. So, you know, you started initially with paper products, doing these calendars and invites. And now, you know, if you go on your website, you can find mugs, drinksters, pillows, all kinds of things. And I know you have even more things coming out soon. Um, but so tell us a little bit about that growth and that journey. Like, why did you decide then um, to put it on these other, these other products and expand the line? I have always seen it this way. When I was growing up and as my kids were growing up, there were two people that I was fascinated by. One was Mary Inglebright and the other was Vera Bradley. And yes. I knew both of them were women who painted and they put their artwork on everything. And Mary Inglebright was actually from Missouri. They had like Mary Inglebright stores. And I remember walking in there in the mall in St. Louis going, how did they do this? This is just amazing. And then soon after that, Kate Spade started doing it. Like she went from purses to China to fabrics. And I just loved that because they were taking their art and making it a part of everyday objects. You know, yeah. like a notepad or a notebook or a pillow is just a pillow until you put somebody's artwork on it. And then it mm -hmm. takes on a whole other feel. And so that has always been like there's a tagline that I've always had since we started Giddy was to make art a part of your everyday. And I love that. Yeah. And it's true. And so mm -hmm. back in 2015, I, uh, we, we were in the national stationery show, which is at the Javits center in New York. And it's what all big players do. If you're back in the day, if you're in the stationery business. Yep. And, and that's so, for wholesale, in case anyone who's listening yes, isn't sure about it. Yes, completely wholesale. And yeah. I had walked to the show like in 13 and 14 and kind of was getting my feet wet whether Giddy wanted to go wholesale because I knew that meant we had to change everything. And what I saw, and, and basically they came to me and they're like, Leslie, we want Giddy Papery in the show. And I had about a month to put it together. I'm like, okay, we can do this. <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> we made it work. And... <clears throat> So then the next year we did it too, and I added new products. I met, I added melamine plates and tea towels and mugs in addition to my other things because my hope was somebody was going to walk by and go, oh, my gosh, we need your artwork on everything because it was transferable. Like you could see it when it was on a real product versus imagine this flower if it was on 10 different products. And so I made the products and showed it and people were like oh my gosh how did you do that because the idea of sublimation printing was just not even available on a grand scale back in 15. okay so i don't know does that i hope that explains that no that definitely way. does but actually people came up to me and they said wow you've really you, you're not just papery i said well it all starts out on paper and then I like seeing what it looks like on different things. So mm -hmm. that was, that was fun. That makes a lot of sense. And I love your little tagline. I've always loved that. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so what have been some of your biggest challenges and how have you adjusted or overcome them? I know we kind of talked about, you know, obviously the printing aspect was a challenge at first, but what are some other ones? And, um, you know, how did you get over those hurdles? I think scalability is probably the number one snag that most businesses, if they've been in it long enough, long mm-hmm. enough and they want to do wholesale or they want to like really go more global or, you know, expand everything is the scalability and getting that sweet spot of fulfilling the product, getting the price points right. where both you're making money and your clients making money, your vendor. Mm-hmm. And that is quite a whole nut in itself to figure out. And, um, over the years I've done wholesale throughout the country, which is great. Um, and right now I'm kind of scaling back on that because I travel a lot and I feel like I can still do my artwork and sell products, but it doesn't necessarily have to be wholesale. And I've done so much with collabs, with collaborations that I can work wholesale in that way. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, those collaborations, I feel like they... Part of going wholesale, I think, is making your brand recognizable nationally and kind of reaching new audiences. But with collaborations, you can do that as well. I've seen a lot of um, clients and just businesses in general kind of scaling back a little bit on wholesale recently. Well, yeah, and especially with all the COVID, you know, I think like the main players of it, the large companies like American Greetings and Thrivepole and all of these that have really sustainable uh, structures in place. Mm-hmm. Either they're going to have a lot of leftover inventory <laughs> or they're going to have the systems in place that will make it very doable. So yeah. it's it's an interesting time for the rest of us to pivot into doing other things. Certainly. So, you know, scalability is kind of your, your challenge that you face, but yeah. what have been some of the, the greatest moments or, you know, a pinch me moment or a moment that made you think, you know, this is why I do what I do and why I love it. Oh gosh. Uh, I know it's hard. There might be a couple. <laughs> there are a couple. One actually was really a long time ago when I did my artwork in high school and I had a couple people couple of pieces selected to be in the Winter Park Arts Festival, which is a big deal down here. And then I had somebody buy it. And then I had another person who wanted to publish another piece and it was in the newspaper and it had a lot of applications. So very early on, I thought, wow, okay, this, this might be a really fun thing because I know if I like something, but when somebody, the greatest compliment that you can have is when somebody wants to buy your stuff. So like that's, that's a great, aha, great pinch me moment. And when I opened up my studio and did my quote, serious art paintings on walls, I sold all of that. I have. And so that has always been like a good pinch me moment, Mm -hmm. but when Giddy started, probably the biggest aha pinch me moment were two. One was out of the blue from nowhere, Southern Living came knocking on our door saying, hey, do you have anything for Christmas this year? Now, like this is in July of 2014. 
Yeah. And Lauren's like, Mom, do we have anything? I'm like, why, yes, we do. <laughs> so I came up with my candy cane monographs, which nobody really, like I had already painted them. Nobody had seen them. And I formatted them all into holiday cards. And they were featured like in the holiday issue, like on four different pages. And that was a huge defining moment for me. Like I was like, wait, what? You know, so then that, that was awesome. And then yeah. we were selected by the Today Show as 100 top American vendors, like I think in 2016 or 17. And then we mm -hmm. had product feature after that on something when um, Dylan and Savannah both had their babies. So those are like great validating moments. I can't say that they've now made me a household name, but that's okay too, you know, <laughs> but they were fun. Definitely. And they, you know, like you said earlier, having someone recognize and someone, you know, want to buy your product um, is so validating and it feels so great. Exactly. And I still feel that um, I feel very humbled, like when somebody wants me to do work for them for like a rehearsal dinner or their bridal invitations or wedding invitations mm -hmm. or whatever, like they, I don't seek that. So somehow they found my art and they connected to it and they want it on such a personal piece. That's a, that's a huge humbling thing to me. And I, I love working with the people. So let's talk about that a little bit, actually. Um, so you do offer, you know, some custom designs for showers or weddings, things like that. So what's that process like? And, you know, I guess you started with this way back when doing invitations. Um, and now I feel like not everyone knows that when they go to your site. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about the custom pieces. Um you know, I always have a steady stream of custom pieces. It's not always prominent um, on the website, but mm -hmm. people are always like, I have a pretty full schedule of it, really. And I love doing it. And I don't do per se the full wedding, you know, and great invitations and so forth. But I'm kind of like the add on pieces like I might do the the look for the wedding whether it's a monogram that's embellished and they use that as the liner or i've designed the save of the date and it helps to weave all of the look together for their wedding mm -hmm. and um so i what that looks like in terms of working with a client is really understanding what they envision for their wedding and what they envisioned for their rehearsal dinner or whatever it is. And I spend a lot of time getting that information from them. And then it's on my end, it's kind of a, a quick three-step process. Like I sketch it out and give them a couple of choices. And then we move it to the next stage of more finalizing with fonts and placements. And then at that point, they know what they're getting. We press print and... It's, and the job is completed, but there's a lot of front end work that I think is really valuable to make it worthwhile to what they want. Yeah. And I mean, I've had you do invites for my parties, Christmas parties, my holiday cards, um, and then a lot of client projects to invites for those um, client events. And, you know, I think probably what's so great about it is 
you get to be part of people's special day and you know whether it's an event for a client or if it's someone's shower um you're getting to be a little bit part of that which is so so great as well well exactly so you you have had the experience of my process and that's why and I so appreciate that and you and I work well together on that because we kind of like the same things or you can give me a few ideas and I just like the freedom that you go, okay, Leslie, run with it, you know, and yeah. usually we, we, we come up with something, you know, Definitely. So, and I think any invitation sets the tone. I, I do, I'm not a fan truly of like emailing invitations because people mm-hmm. forget that. I like that hard copy that people can look at and I think it sets the whole tone for an event, you know? It, exactly. That's why I love them. You know, I think a lot of people my age, they send, um, what are like a invite be email, an invite. Yeah. Yes. They send those, but I think, you know, it really does set the tone and makes you feel special when you get a physical, um, invite or card in the mail. There's something so special and, um, personal about that, that I love. Agreed. And I hope it never goes away. Now, you know, if my artwork was on some of that, that would be okay. But I just think that I'm just tactile in nature and I just mm-hmm. love like the whole presentation of a wedding suite or a save the date with a lined envelope and all that. You just can't replace that. Certainly. So going off of that, um, what's been, you know, some of your favorite projects you've gotten to work on? Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, over the last couple of years, I have worked with clients, like different kind of clients. They might be a country club. It might be a hotel. It might be a farm. Like I just recently did a blueberry farm. And what I really love about those projects is, again, it's that one-on-one connection with the client. Mm-hmm. And then we get to dream together, not just what the image is going to be, but what products they want those images on. And so I not only produce the images and the products and sell them to them wholesale, but they've got like a capsule collection that they can use within their business. And it might include a map or it might include stir sticks or mugs or a variety of different branding products that they want. So I really love that in terms of projects. Definitely. And you've done, you know, some of those things for me as well. I would recommend any businesses listening to reach out to Leslie um, because, you you know, you've made invites for, or not invites, um, Christmas cards for clients that I send out and then also a mug that coordinates with that. So you're great at customizing and personalizing um, and kind of making a whole package together. Well, thank you. It's kind of an interesting, interesting niche that I have I've really enjoyed and then I feel that that's kind of growing within Giddy as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about collaborations. You've done a few. I know you collaborate with the Enchanted Home a lot. You have your acrylic sticks. Um, tell us a little bit about that, how they came about and then sort of the value that that adds to your business and why you'd suggest that for other businesses. Well, that is something I love to talk about and I love doing our collaborations. Um, Several years ago, I had been working with this licensing company and so I would do all these images and they would, some of my images were picked up and they were put on paper plates and napkins and sold, you know, which is great. I love licensing. Um, 
but you lose that connection that you have with the collaboration. So recently, in the last year or so, um, I have I reached out to a couple of people and said, hey, I've got this idea. I think it might be kind of fun. We kind of have the same group of customers. You and I basically like the same things. And what do you think? And um, so like with the Enchanted Home, I truly feel like I have a good friend and the owner, Tina, and she and I have come up with a lot of really inter interesting products with my artwork on some of the products that she may um, create anyway. And so that's been fun to like dare to dream more products. <laughs> With, yep. with artwork on it. And like, for example, we came up with robes and aprons and wrapping paper. And those things on my scale are harder to produce and they're much more expensive for someone on my level to do. But Tina does it very well and has a lot of great connections and um, is able to further product opportunities. And the same with Acrylic Sticks with Jordan. You know, so those were two great ones. Definitely. So I think that's valuable advice that you just said that, um, you know, partnering with someone might give you opportunities in production and kind of lower the cost for you in some aspects. Exactly. Exactly. And you're working with people that they have the same customer interests as, as I do. And so it's a good fit. Like it's mm -hmm. not, it's just, it doesn't it's feel natural. like work. It is natural. Yep. And um, I, I've been a member of the Southern Coterie, and their whole mission is to connect businesses together um, <clears throat> so that you can collaborate. And I, I went to the summit back in February for that and have multiple connections and collaborations in the works on that right now, too. That's exciting. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of your products. What's your favorite one on your site right now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's like picking a child, right? <laughs> it is, and it, it really kind of is. I'm really thrilled with our Littles collection, mm -hmm. and um, the Littles have multiple products and um, usefulness for, like, if you're going to – throw a, gen a gender reveal party for your baby or baby showers or a, a little child's um, birthday party. And it's a piece that I did actually several years ago, but the parts and pieces of it can be pulled out of it to create like the cupcake toppers, um, prints, um, blankets, you know, just like about eight different products that all, I've also done paper plates and paper napkins and mugs, and you can create an entire like capsule of things to do entertaining for a baby shower. So Plus cute. the invitation. They're adorable. Thank yeah. you. They're really, really cute. Um, I, I looked at them the other day and you guys definitely should check them out. Well, thank you. So who's your dream customer? If you could pick anyone, you know, it could be dead or alive, um, a celebrity or a royal or an influencer, who would be like your dream customer? Gosh, well, she's not here anymore, but I just so appreciated Kate Spade and it's tragic, but like 
I could just see her, like her style and everything. Like I would just love to sit and have lunch with her and say, here, have one of my swizzle sticks. You need that in your cocktail, you know? <laughs> so I would say her. And of course I love Kate and the Royals, you know, anything mm -hmm. over there. I would love to do a whole series just of the Royals and say, you all need sticks in your drinks as well. And I can make some fun stationery or whatever mugs. How would you like a new mug set? <laughs> I love so, that. Um, I would definitely see that as those would be two people. They're great people. I mean, yes. those are yes. top picks for sure. Yes. So how would you describe preppy? I always ask this question because it is the preppy <laughs> podcast. So what does preppy mean to you? Well, first of all, I'm so happy about this whole podcast. Like the minute you told me you were doing this and I started thinking on this and I'm like, Oh, preppy. Oh, I've been preppy my whole life, but what does that mean? You know, like I preppy means to me fun, whimsical and timeless. And I would say that like you curate things over a lifetime if you're a preppy person. And there are things that you just love that you may collect in your 20s that if they're truly classics, they will be with you forever. And I think that defines preppy on one level as well as what you wear. You know, so I kind of yeah. think like there's different levels of preppy, but it's just, it's being easy and classic and with a little bit of whimsy. I love that. That's a great answer. And I think that's a good point is it's not necessarily just, you know, your clothes and what you wear. It's kind of, you know, it could be your home and how you decorate or what you collect or it's like a lifestyle. It's all encompassing. And interesting, like my house does not look a lot like my artwork, you know, like I think like yeah. my artwork is very bright. If I lived in all bright high tones, I think I would just be awake all the time. <laughs> So, but my house is pretty, um, I would say it's pretty Southern and it's Southern, yep. collected with a lot of different things. And other than when I'll refresh it with new fabrics and paint, like I, I'm pretty happy with, I feel like it's kind of preppy too, but in a different way. Definitely. No, I could see that. I've been there before. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. So what's your go-to hostess gift that you would recommend to someone? Gosh. Well, first of all, it would probably be a, a giddy gift. Yeah. So um, I right now would go to my closet. It's not my gift closet. It's my giddy closet. But it, <laughs> it kind of doubles sometimes. And so I would grab a really fun set of um, swizzle sticks. I would uh, grab a, pair, a set of cocktail napkins. And I would wrap it all up in, of course, our wrapping paper. This is shameless, I know, but... <laughs> And, and no, then, I mean, it's perfect. They're the perfect gift, hostess gift option. They are pretty fun. And um, then I'd probably, since it's summer, I would go and grab either a nice bottle of champagne or rosé and walk in the door and say, let's have a fun time. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. Um, okay, so going off of that, you're a great hostess. I know you love throwing gatherings. Um, so what's one tip that you think every good hostess should know or something that people um, could learn from you? I think there's two parts. The okay. first part is to just plan really well so that 
like you have a variety of different foods that people might like, you know, um, a variety of different drinks because not everybody likes wine. A lot of people like a cocktail. Um, and I think it's important. You don't have to make every bit of it, but have it ready. Like don't be cooking when somebody's walking in the door unless you're having a casual dinner for four and you know that that person would want to help you in the kitchen. So yeah. like you want to have it all done. You want to be relaxed so that when somebody walks in that door, your attention is on them and you're going to serve them a drink and sit down on the couch or wherever you're going to be and just enjoy them so that you're, they don't think you're running around haggard or, you know, I think that's, and that just comes from being prepared before the people walk in the door. Mm -hmm. That's a great tip. I mean, there's nothing more stressful than when you're trying to cook something and everyone's starting to show up because there are people that show up early. <laughs> I know. Although yeah. in the South, that's not so much. Like if you say come at seven and if anyone is there at seven, that is really not okay. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, that really I means like, <laughs> that's exactly right. Like that really means like 7.15 yeah. or, or then you text and roll in at 7.30 and some people are already there having a drink or something, but it's a loose, it, on Southern ways, it's kind of a loose term, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're so, lucky. Unless it's like a bridal luncheon somewhere that it's like at a restaurant or something like that, then, then you better be on time. Yeah. But someone's sense. home, I think, has a little more wiggle room. Definitely. Okay, so <laughs> another aspect to that then, I mean, we talked about your home a little bit, but what's one thing that you love that you have in your home or you think that other people should have or maybe look into, something that makes you happy in your home? Well, my dog is one. <laughs> yes. And Diesel, everyone loves Diesel too. So I think personally, whether you're a cat person or not, everyone needs a dog in their home, okay? Because they just make you happy. But I know that's not what you were asking me. So <laughs> Hey, I would pick that too. I love Marty and Miles. That's a good I mean, and, and I better include my husband in that. Okay, so it, it goes my <laughs> husband. I love that, that he's here and I love my dog. And then the other thing I think is really fun and important, which sounds so stupid, is a bar cart. No, I love that. And <laughs> I have three in our house. So <laughs> Okay, so I do need another one because my bar yes. cart is like from back in the day when Target first started putting them out. Yeah, well, I know the like one with the brass, like with the no, dark wood. No. No, it's not the well that one might have preceded this one. This one is like okay. the the brass one with the glass, but it's not big enough. Got it. So I need a bigger one and I think that's the perfect that kind of like sets the stage. Plus I can put my swizzle sticks on it. I can put my tea yeah. towels on it, my napkins and set the tone for whatever party I want. Even if it's not like a formal party, mm -hmm. but you know, like with it being summertime, I would stick all of my little flamingo ones on there and my fun little napkins. Like I would just make it all summery because that's what I like to do. And yeah, then to make a, a really good cocktail on it. So I think that's really important. Is that bad? No. Like I said, we have multiple bar carts in different rooms. And I do the same thing. I kind of alternate what's on them for the season or the holiday or whatever it may be and keep it fresh. And yeah, it lets you put out your fun cocktail napkins, your little tea towels, your swizzle sticks, all of that. And flowers on it. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I really would love to find a... a a great vintage one now that's bigger, oh, like no. a, a really cool bamboo one. 
Yeah. I mean, look at Society Social. That's where one of mine is. And oh, um, I love those. They're those large, so which I like. Beautiful. Yep. I would look yep. into that for sure. So I think everybody needs a dog. Not everybody may want a husband, but a dog. <laughs> a dog in a bar cart. Final answer. Love that. That that's <laughs> me to a T. I'm there with you. <laughs> okay, good. So I was fun. gonna say oh. plates, but I don't sell plates, but I collect China. Like oh. I I can't tell you how much China I have. It's so bad. I didn't know that. That's oh. that's really cool though. Well, it goes with the whole setting your table and making it yeah. fun and festive. So and entertaining, I can see that for sure. Yeah. And I do think everyone needs this if I could add just one more. I think everyone needs a set of really great white china because mm-hmm. you can decorate any table, any setting for the whole year with white china. That's great advice. Actually, I'm on the lookout for that right now because we have all different pattern things, but I don't really have any classic just white that I can do a lot with, and I've been looking. Exactly. And see, you can collect then. (laughs) This is what I do. I have like three different kinds of white china, and then it gives me the opportunity to collect like vintage dessert plates that you can put on the plates, and it's very fun. That's smart. I'm going to do that. That's on my list. Okay. We might have <laughs> to right. duke it out. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll just make a trip down there. You'll show me your collection yep. so I can get inspired. Then I'll come back up here and I'll set it. That's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> well, and there's so many great companies too, like on Instagram. And I get notifications. And I'm like, no, just don't even look. Because I love them all. What are some of the ones that you follow that, you know, people are looking for that well, they can check out? Valley Vintage is very good. She has a lot of silver pieces, okay. which I think is coming back. I love all of that. And, you know, like, who doesn't love silver? Mm-hmm. And it's at a good price, generally, in the markets nowadays. Um, I love Kay Schwarzkopf. I can't ever say her name properly. Um, I think she has great things. Kayla has a lot of really fun stuff. Um Let's see. I think those would be Beth Beth Loves Blues has great stuff. And for sure, my all-time go-to is PK Sellers. Yes, they're great. Those guys have, they totally know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they have these vintage sales on PK Seller. It's kind of their side business to um, Parker and Kennedy, their designers. And they, oh gosh, their stuff is so good. Definitely. Those are great. We'll definitely all have to check them out. All preppy. Um, yep. So what's next for Giddy? Can you tell us any like sneak peeks or what you have on the horizon? Well, actually, yes. Um, I was I, out of the blue. I had this woman um, DM me on Instagram and she's like, hi, I um, sell needlepoint. And was wondering whether any of your images, whether you'd ever be interested with any of your images on Needlepoint. I'm like, uh, yes. Yes. And yes. Because I've always wanted that. I I used to Needlepoint all the time. Now I don't. If I have time to be idle, I usually am painting. So I love Needlepoint. I have Needlepointed my whole life, actually. And so I was so excited about that. So I've started sending to her a large collection of images that then will be wholesaled to needlepoint companies across the country. So I'm really excited about that. Um, And I have,
have a company that I'm working with right now that is doing embroidery of some of my images, oh. which is very fun. Yeah. And so those are two fun things that are coming up. And then um, I've got a few new products that will be coming up with a couple, a couple of the companies that I'm doing collaborations with. Okay. That's so fun. I'm excited about the needlepoint. I just took that hobby up um, during quarantine. I'm not that good yet, so I have to practice before I can get my giddy ones. But <laughs> but you have to remember, like, I am such a nut about what the back looks like, you know? But nobody yep. sees the back, so it doesn't really matter. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm a perfectionist, and it, it kind of is hard for me <laughs> to do well, it, but just, I'm working do you use on the, it. Do you do the basket weave stitch? I don't know. I just YouTube <laughs> how to do it. And it's like a basic one. It's just like okay. across and then well, up. Look up, like if you're not doing the basket weave, because okay. I think that totally transforms the quality of the end piece of your needle point. I don't okay, know I'm why I know all one. of this stuff. It's <laughs> it's sad. I know a little bit about a lot of things, I suppose. But those are all really exciting things. Um, all right, so let's wrap up, I guess, by telling everyone where they can find Giddy. You can find Giddy at giddypapery.com online and um, on Instagram. And we have a Giddy page on Facebook. And those would be the three main places. And if anybody has any questions, they're welcome to DM me directly in Instagram. Um, I'm on it almost every day and soon I will have the buy product button on there as well. So awesome. Well, thank you, Leslie. Patricia, thank you. I'm so happy for you. And just, this is just an awesome platform and I hope everyone listens to Preppy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 